1: No, no, On the bench, no, he's on no. the bench. Him and Madison could go shopping together.
0: Madison is a changed man. He's a leader now. yeah? <laughs> it's got a, we don't need no child. distractions in and around him.
1: Bring him in. Bring Deli Ali in as oh, well. <laughs> I had a feeling Deli Ali was around the corner somewhere. <laughs> in this episode, we're going to do our best to spend all of that eighty-five million. Desiree think You're going to have to tell me how this did. Because I listen. I,
0: I can't. Like, even some people might be looking at it. who? What? Yeah. Eighteen-year-old, six-foot-one French attacking midfielder. Antonio. That's Richardson 2.0. Get them both. Buzz- oh, been- <laughs> be- now you got a podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that would be amazing.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Ripple Effect with me, James Lawrence Alcott. Hopefully you checked out last week's episodes, both kind of around Liverpool this week. We're focusing on two things, Tottenham Hotspur and... Deadline day, that historic deadline day. And I have a double bill for one man. It's just the two of us this time. Hey, Fuad right. Kadani joins me from Stoppage Time TV, but. Anything else you want to plug uh, right at the start? SDS, the all, all over the place on the internet. He's a model. <laughs> and if you want to see what he's wearing right now, and I'm sure there's someone in particular whose name runs with Marky, would, who would love <laughs> to see what he's wearing right now, <laughs> then you can do so on Spotify. We have the, the video of this exclusively there. We're at Spotify Studios right now, which is always a joy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Tottenham, which is, dare I say it, a joy. A good time. Let, let's... um let me read this intro out just so people can understand exactly where we're going to go with this podcast. Uh, the next podcast will be more so on deadline day as a whole. So Tottenham are winning all of us over. Ange Postacoglu is charming absolutely everyone with his upfront personable approach, but also his fantastic brand of football. A brand of football that could have been at risk with depart- the departure of Harry Kane if his style didn't quite work early on in the season. The biggest trope thrown towards Tottenham would be why did he sell Harry Kane? But the football played and the application by the players means it's almost Harry Kane who, which actually i said before we started recording, <laughs> um... At this moment, and uh, the best thing about all of this is that they now have a side playing lovely football whilst also having all of the revenue from the Kane departure to splash on new signings. But, of course, you've got to do that correctly, mm-hmm. as we remember from the Gareth Bale sale. So, in this episode, we're going to do our best to spend all of that £85 million that they secured for Harry Kane, but also there's only a few days left of the, the window, so we need to act quick to let Ange cook. You could say it's a pressure cooker scenario. So... Word of the week, potential, which I think is a a good place to start because Spurs have been in this actual state of potential. And the definition, because I know people like the definition, is having or showing the capacity to develop into something in the future Mm -hmm. that works in the sort of microcosm of today as we, you know, sit opposite each other and uh, yeah. ready to chat about Spurs. And what I did, I, I know that people are screaming at this podcast, in particular, probably Arsenal fans, just gonna have to, you're just going to have to allow Spurs to have a minute here <laughs> because it is only a few games in, right? Yeah. And, you know, the, the it's a Man United side that are kind of in transition as well. Um Bournemouth, who I think people will probably turn their nose up against, were actually better. Than, well, I think that will age so. well, that result. I think they're going away through from teething issues at the moment. For sure. They've
0: got some quality there.
1: And actually, same with Brentford as well. Like Brentford a, a very awkward um, opposition. And again, the top line of Brentford is that, oh, they haven't got Tony, so they're not the same team. I watched Brentford this weekend. I made a spare ticket for the Palace game. And they ran that game. They looked mm-hmm. so comfortable. They should have won it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But the you know, the point is that I think people turn their nose up at clubs. Um, and Bournemouth and Brentford are, are two examples of that. But I think in the conversation of the big six, as we often call them, um Tottenham are always the sort of like little brother that just gets patronised. Now, you, you have to do a lot of live streams with people who are fans of those teams. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate that as a Spurs fan? How do you get through the week? Or have you how, how have you got through the last you know, 52 weeks being a Tottenham fan, because it's not been nice, has it?
0: It's it's never easy. And I think any Spurs fan will tell you it's almost like a a lifelong curse at times, you feel like. But as you said there, we've almost been, for the past 20 years, if you like, the team that's always been trying to get a seat at the big boy table, but never actually, I don't know, feeling like they're actually there yet. Whether it's nearly challenging for the Premier League, getting to the Champions League final, falling at the hurdle, getting to Carabao Cup, yeah, you won one, but you've, you've lost another one. Yeah. Semi-finals, FA Cup. So it almost just feels like. But th- I think sometimes that also allows situations like this to occur where a new manager can come in and there's not that sense of pressure to immediately win. There's not that sense of pressure to immediately spend the money because we've never historically been that type of club. And I think it's almost like a gift and a curse. Some it, it depends on perspective and how you look at it. I like to look at it as you can't miss what you've never had. So if I've never won <laughs> silverware, yeah. I can't it's kind of a heartbreaking feel the thought yeah, for a QPR it, fan.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, but
0: it's like if I've never tasted Champions League success, how can I cry about not well, winning?
1: I mean I was gonna ask you that. Like how how do like seriously, like how do you cope with that? Because that's something I don't have to deal with. And yeah. I'm actually quite sensitive to the fact often if someone's going, Oh, you lost again for QPR mm-hmm. I'm like, I know that. Yeah. Like like
0: I think the way I look at it is Football, for me, for some people, it's just about the winning and the achievements. I always look at it, football's more than that. And I think sometimes it's the journey. Mm-hmm. And I think you look at with some of these teams who maybe are not at the top, we enjoy the journey more than, let's say, the actual success period. Like, we enjoyed the journey with Pochettino, seeing him take a young crop of players and actually developing them over time. Seeing Harry Kane develop from a lonely who couldn't get a game to potentially the record-breaking goal scorer. You love that kind of story and trajectory. And I think... With Spurs, that's kind of what we've always been. Nice stories with Martin Jol, the Nearly boys. Mm. Harry Redknapp gets us into Europe. Pochettino makes us into a machine. But then that's where I feel like our mentality tried to change. And we said, you know, now we need to win. Yeah. Jose came in.
1: So, I mean, that that's tricky in itself, isn't it? Because first, it sounds like you kind of lost the journey. Yeah. You know, the focus was on the tin. Mm-hmm. And... And it it didn't feel right for a long time, and it felt, it felt incredibly pressured. Yeah, and for all the connotations that come with Tottenham, Tottenham from you know in modern day football, mm-hmm. that seemed to sort of it seemed to like really like irritate the fan base in several different ways. And it like I, I've chat so I don't know, I do a podcast with Flav, who's a, a big Tottenham fan, mm-hmm. and the the idea of it needing to feel good is something that I actually think resonates more with a, oh, this is so dangerous to say, but it resonates more with a Tottenham fan than it would with any of the other big six, because that there is that, like you say, you don't know what it's really like to, to have outrageous success. And I think yeah. you'd, you'd feel a little bit lost if you got it, wouldn't you? How would you feel if, because that's the thing? Like, we're, it's okay to dream, right? And if, positive, if something clicked here, which it feels like it is, and, yeah. and the mood is important with with football, and you and you won an FA Cup, or like heaven forbid you won the league, you'd lose your mind, wouldn't you? You would, of course. <laughs>
0: uh, listen, that's that's essentially what we've been dreaming of as Spurs fans to get there regularly. But I think how it's done as well, and I think understanding what your club is at the end of the day is very important and I think that's where a lot of Spurs and, as you say have lost the love the last three or four years because we've gone from a club of knowing we've got owners and boarders that aren't going to splash the cash with the United so we're never going to be able to compete there we've always had to have a process if you like Arsenal yeah. have had this over the past three years but it's that model of just building something organically and over the past three or four years with Conte coming it was win now he's gonna he's gonna be the winning machine Conte comes in after that and it was like, oh, Jose, do you know what? He's past his best. Let's get a guy who's just won a title now. He's going to win now. And you saw it blew
1: up in your face because essentially that's not what Spurs are. Did you When that happened, when he took the job, did you believe that? Oh, narrative? I was all in. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, screaming, <laughs> Jose, wait. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. was Conte,
0: let's go. Because as well, uh, for me, I think with those two managers, the reason why I bought so heavily in, the personality of what they are. Sure. I think they're managers who you can really get behind and their characters you almost buy into it and you think yeah you know what they can come in and change the mentality maybe we have been a touch soft but the issue with a manager like that they have great expectations which requires great funding yes we are never going to be in a position to give those managers what they need to succeed which is why I say go back to what you truly are Mm. in Spurs building a process and I feel like with Ange that's essentially what we've gone back to we've gone back to a manager who can kind of grow and develop youngsters, has tactical ideas, can kind of develop a squad over time and is a little bit unproven and unknown, which is Martin Yole, Harry Redknapp at that kind of higher club level, Uh, Pochettino, similar case. This is essentially what Tottenham is, essentially. So I'm happy to go back to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think he's sort of, uh, as I've said it a couple of times, is that he he's a bit of a unicorn in the sense that he has, and he gets annoyed with this as well, he has so much experience. yeah. But unless, and this is a horrible like trope of modern football as well, is that if you've done brilliant stuff and got the best out of human beings, uh, as long as it's not you know it's not the world-class players then it doesn't count <laughs> and it's just obviously a nonsense and so for a team with and a club in an identity crisis because some of the elements there as well well like the ground obviously is a thing that people could talk about a lot yeah. and actually the sort of the arrival of Conte the arrival of Mourinho it felt like a step up and and forwards at the time mm-hmm. and I think that's a really interesting thing here as well like what's i think what's really important in the fact that me talking to you today and how that could change and how we shouldn't really worry about it too much but it is a thing is you're miles away from having to actually get over the line like yeah. let's talk about arsenal last year newcastle last year mm-hmm. they were both you sort of seen what they could do and there was no pressure on them at all absolutely and this year i think newcastle will be fine and look good but actually even after that liverpool result you could see like people starting to get a bit annoyed at Eddie Howe, who was yeah. like untouchable a second ago because the expectations changed. I talk about expectations a lot. And so I think going back to the Conte and Mourinho thing, it it's, seems glaring how wrong it was, but it also felt kind of right at the time because you'd, you'd had enough of the Pochettino Absolutely. wave of it and you've kind of come full circle yeah. and back to it. So what is the... How can you get to winning and winning and winning whilst having the right kind of guy who identifies It's learning
0: from everything that's happened over the past 20 years. And as a board, I think they should learn that, where rather than thinking the grass is greener on the other side every time, if you know Ange is going to build the foundations and give you something that you can potentially build success on, similar to like a Pochettino, a Yol, or a Redknapp did, when it gets to that final bridge of... Now we're nearly there. Now you have to back the manager. Right. Don't start pulling away.
1: Yeah, except because the plateau.
0: Absolutely. Except the plateau. Because this is what happens. And I feel like in that 2019 year for Pochettino, even in the all or nothing, he was saying it. You have to build the foundations. Yeah. Otherwise, the house will crumble. And we had this lovely, shiny stadium and a squad that he developed for four or five years, but he knew it needed freshening up. Mm. And they didn't freshen it up. He spent zero and got to a Champions League final. Yeah. And the very next year, he got sacked.
1: Do you think that sort of the greatest ripple effect, and more importantly, I'm just trying to crowbar in the name of the podcast. Film, yeah. The, <laughs> the biggest problem, <laughs> the biggest mistake of all of it. Uh, you know, as long as you've been a fan, and maybe there's a, the better one you can think of. But would it be fair to suggest that the biggest mistake of all of this was sacking Pochettino?
0: Yes, I would believe, I would say so, yeah. I think within the last 20 years, if you like, I think that would be the biggest mistake because he was proven at this point. And you look at it now, he's got the Chelsea job. He could potentially have everything he almost had at Spurs, mm-hmm. except now he's got all the money kind of behind it as well. So I think now you're going to kind of really get to see what Poch can actually do as a manager. I've always said, I think he's going to be one of the top managers out there. And what he built for us, he could have been a legend
1: yeah and it would have been fascinating to see how it would have played out between now and then because you have spent money now
0: and that's (laughs) the annoying thing as soon as he left um we Jose he didn't really get backed in my opinion but then with Conte he got a fair whack and I was like why are we now spending all the money and if you look at it we didn't really spend it greatly either so it's a little and that's the annoyance of where a lot of fans have become detached over the past four years it's the transfers the managerial merry-go-round the kind of identity and what's the plan here is it just to win now is it just for the next 12 months what happens after this and i think now with angel we can cut we're almost at a reset point and i think that was the beauty of coming into the season i said this is the lowest expectations i've had in about 20 years mm. no european football yeah. as well which is wonderful now we just kind of get to <laughs> focus on no seriously <laughs> i was like because sometimes a conference league can be a distraction yeah and i and i said listen as much as it's good to win those cups our squad is not deep enough to be competing on all fronts so i'd rather one game a week and just build the foundations yeah
1: it's staying within your growth a little bit like that's the problem like you got yourself to a weird conundrum here as a as a tottenham fan where you will essentially generally look down at west ham right but West Ham took that competition <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seriously and now I've got the bloody trophy that you're after. But it's not... See, this is the thing I struggle with as well. It's like, yeah, but it's not the trophy we're totally after. So we're kind of... A... It's it's kind of odd. Like you it have is. to like... That humility, both in... When you're within a plateau. Like so like for Newcastle and Eddie Howe, they have to make a decision. And look, they're not in crisis, okay? Yeah. Just to be clear. But they need to make a decision. If there is a wobble, is it... It's, that's what I always say. is like, is it about them. Is it about the man? Like, do you back the man or not? And and that's what's going to be interesting with Postacoglu because I think all, all our um, predictions at the start of the season were we were giving ourselves a little bit of room, wiggle room to yeah. go. Well, it's definitely going to be more fun. That was the word you yeah. it, fun. <laughs> it's definitely going to be a lot more fun. Yeah. But it might take a second. You need the patience. Blah blah blah. Are you? Is there any part of you that's nervous about? Um, the expected la- expectation levels getting too high with Tottenham? No. I think, I, think, I think
0: even as the season goes on, if we're doing very well and then eventually there's a drop-off, I've said this season for me is a reset year. I just want to qualify for Europe. Yes. As you said, But, not, but was... not
1: the conference league.
0: Europa League, please. Yeah, Europa okay, League. I'll okay. take I mean... Europa League very much. Because I'll see that as a progression step. Uh, and for me, I feel like that's what we have to focus on this year. This year isn't about aiming too high and thinking, do you know what? If we do a surprise situation like our, where Arsenal last year competed for the title, but nobody expected it to start last year, if we're top three, I don't know, come Christmas, Spurs fans have been here many a times before. Come Christmas time, Sky Sports are mentioning us, uh, oh, Tottenham can win the title, just, comes the inevitable February drop off. Sure. So I always say this season for me, it's all about building a culture. And Posta as you said, he's come in and spoken really well and uh, got players to buy in very early. I want to see what that looks like over the season because we're going to have dips. We're going to have tough moments. How do the players react then? How does Ange tweak his tactics? There's already a few balls into the channel over the top where I see from our high line where I'm thinking, when a really good team with a good set of wingers comes, how does Ange adapt this? Mm -hmm. Because in the second half of the last two games against United and Bournemouth, he brought on Hoiberg and Perisic in moments where the game was kind of getting really spread out and you're thinking... This is great kind of in-game management, if you
1: like. So I want to see throughout the season we're going to have many more of these. How do you adapt? Okay. And you've got to build a squad as well, which we're going to do. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about some options. You are listening to The Ripple Effect. The tackle. So Have you seen the tackle, guys? They're I'm so disgraceful. very moved by those type of tackles. I had to, For me, Oh, I'm, yeah, you're I'm, that guy. I've seen I'm. clips of you. <laughs> wow. I've seen clips of you. <laughs> Victor Osimhen. The Saudi League may have lowered Ossaman's price this window. are well, listening to the Ripple Effect with me, James Lawrence Alcott. Which James Alcott's fine as well. I am joined with uh, Fuad Kadani, who is a Tottenham fan and who I've been waiting to have a sit down, have a good chat with. This is lovely, mate. I yeah. knew it would be lovely as well. And we're going to talk all things Tottenham in this podcast. We'll be talking about deadline day as a whole in our second podcast that'll come out a little bit later in the week, just in time for that deadline day, which is of course on Friday, where it will slam shut. It will. Is everyone ready? Are you aware it will slam shut? So, there's uh, probably three positions that we could look at. Mm -hmm. The good news is they're all really fun positions when it comes to Tottenham. Yeah. Which is interesting because actually, so the three that we're going to look at striker, a sort of versatile forward, and a backup 10. If I'd said, what area does Spurs need to strengthen? I don't know, like four weeks ago there's a there's a position missing there isn't there massively right the centre-back situations how how are you feeling about the centre-back situation now
0: it's funny I did a stream with uh, Tolles on uh, my friend yesterday and I was saying we've actually got a pairing that I'm actually very content with and I think complement each other very well is the most important thing I think you look at Romero the front foot aggressive how do you
1: feel about the tackle I got I sort of, i s I'm not snapped, but I sort of generally I'm kinda like s i am kind of like I, I have a lot of feelings and I go, now I'm gonna leave it. But then there was this t- the tackle. Oh, I don't have you've seen the tackle, guys. Oh, yeah? You like people very, going, This I'm is disgraceful. Very, this is, I'm disgraceful. Very, this is I'm disgraceful.
0: Very moved by those type of tackles. I've seen clips of you. Wow. I've seen clips of
1: you.
0: Listen, I'm I'm a centre back. I've played defensive mid as well and I feel like tackling is almost like a lost art in the game. Totally. I feel like defenders nowadays are given every bit of disadvantage and attackers given every advantage. Totally. There's very few defenders like that left in the game. Lisandro Martinez, Rudiger. I think those front foot aggressive. We can't tame those types of animals. Yeah. Let them be them. It's a contact sport. Absolutely. Disgraceful.
1: I was like, I have to reply to this. I was like,
0: listen, let's not go too far. I do think, yes, it was definitely a touch heavy but you got the ball at the end of the day. And I think you've got VAR there for a reason. But I think him with Van der Ven, who's very calm in the first three games when we signed him, I said, I'm not too sure. I don't know too much oh, about really? him. He's got yeah, He's I'm... quick, but let's see kind of the Premier League for centre-backs can sometimes be a Sharks tank, if you like. Yeah. And he's come in the first three games, honestly. He's had Rashford, and Mbwembo and Wissa um yeah. and Dominic Solanke which I look at are three physical tests and kind of an epitome of what you're going to come up against in the Premier League absolutely he's handled it pretty well and I think every time I've seen him in kind of 1v1 jewels on the ground I'm like I fancy this guy so I'm I'm keen to see how they form as a partnership the question becomes if you get an injury to one of them
1: uh, or a sending off which is definitely coming <laughs> yeah but
0: yeah. how do you handle that then because after that you're kind of back to square one of last season with Davidson Sanchez, Eric Dyer, Ben who, Davis.
1: Who is your third centre-back for you right now? Because uh, this is one I would chuck in there just quickly, is that I think you need, I would look, f- especially if you're going to allow Eric Dyer to possibly yeah. go between now, because I think he'll, he'll want to play somewhere. Absolutely. Um, especially with the Euros coming up. Yeah. Um, so if you do lose someone like him, then... I think we that's where I feel like we still have
0: to go in the market for. Uh, I, I think one player I'm definitely looking at Armel Belakotchap, I think last season showed great potential at Southampton, very young player, I think he can come in and almost would be happy to deputise for them this year but get his kind of minutes as the season progresses but you see the potential, got the Germany call up at the World Cup, Uh, I think he got injured just before it but quality player and I I don't want to see him in the Championship as much as it's probably
1: good for his development. I think he I'm, deserves I'm not a sure step it up. is. I think he's I think he's good enough to be be with league. you guys. Yeah, definitely. Look, if you're German international, they're like that. Like you're I think that's a safe bet to a point. And I generally I just think it's so obvious to pillage those teams that get relegated. Yeah. Like you know, be it loan signings or, or or whatever. And actually let's keep that in mind as we kind of move along because we can throw other names out there as we as we go along. But I do think, yeah, one more centre back. Actually, if I can just plug the narrative this week. We've done two videos. We've done one where it's a dream signing coming from the you know, you guys, the fans. And then um, a more realistic one, I guess, that we've put together for the channel. So both will be uh, on the channel this week. So go check it out. But there was uh, Antonio Silva, who's a 19-year-old centre-back, played 30 (sighs) games for Benfica last year. His pass completion is like 90-something, like 90. Honestly, it's madness, right? Yeah. But uh, the Newcastle fan, forgive me. And if you listen to this, please, please forgive me put forward him as an option for Newcastle mm-hmm. to be a sort of that deputy who like you said doesn't isn't ready to, doesn't have to start just yeah. yet but in time could be the guy that could be another option for for Tottenham who actually are probably in battles with Newcastle regularly I would imagine I, yeah, for, for no,
0: definitely at this point now we're yeah. definitely competing for targets but I think he's potentially too good to be on the bench. Honestly, really? I think his, he is he loves the club he's at. He's come through the academy. He's probably going to play there week in, week out. So I don't see why he would leave Champions that. Champions League football, yeah. Yeah, League yeah, football competing for title to come and sit on a Premier League bench. I don't think... He's definitely got the potential to be at one of the top six clubs and a regular yeah, starter, yeah. in my opinion. I think at 19, the one I saw um, in the second half of last season against Arsenal um, and I watched... Uh, because I was trying to catch Porro, basically, and I've noticed him for you that. Usman Diamande is another one. I think Arsenal fans were saying they, they were linked to him in the summer as well, but my God, can that kid play football. On the ball, physically, he's an absolute unit as well. I think he's one. I mean, Leeds were
1: saying, like, Portugal is the place. <laughs> you
0: know? Portugal and France. Yeah. Oh my God. I sit on the weekends. After all the Premier League's done, French League, straight away, because all I'm doing is I'm just scouting for gems
1: yeah yeah. do you know what I'm actually again another thought's got nothing to do with this podcast I'm, I really want to do a video and so if anyone does this for me oi um, I want to do like a metric matrix yeah. where how how good your numbers are in those leagues and what that really That's means because like it obviously there are loads of foreign players that come into the Premier League and do well but there's also sometimes you see a player and you go yeah I get it I get it but he could definitely, he's, I'm trying to think of an example. but like he's come, Yeah. Or, or, or someone like, someone's going to, you're going to come in and you're going to fail. Like, mm, like, yeah. Or someone like, I don't know, I can't think of one now. Gone blank. But, so to to have an understanding of like, okay, so you've got six tackles and interceptions per 90 in League 1. But is that, does you Know that is that as good as you know? We talk about yeah. like the Bundesliga attacks and things like I, that. I'd like I, to dive into the numbers on that. I, I agree.
0: I I have some theories on that. Actually, I think um, the French league is possibly the easiest league to translate in terms of physicality. I think if you look at the midfielders and the the battles that happen in French, it's a very physical league. I think, and the Premier League that's the one thing it kind of pri- the pace and the physicality of it. Sure. And I find when a lot of French players do come over, they tend to actually do well or come over from the French league majority. And I and I find the Portuguese league and the Dutch league to be the ones where players might put up great numbers, but you have to look at with kind of a side eye. I, I
1: I look at Ziyech, I look at players like the Licht, um some yeah, of those, especially, yeah, especially the Dutch. League, and there is such a dominance there from Ajax yeah, as well. And, and so it does look good. Born but in does Amsterdam. it translate, right?
0: Born in Amsterdam, right. loved Ajax, so I know all about the academy. Yeah. But sometimes you do have to look at some of them and say, give it a few more years. There is so really a
1: long out. list, isn't there, actually? That's another video. You can have yeah. that one. Um, but if you're not going to have it, they're going to have it. Right, <laughs> so the strikers. Uh, Richardson is getting a lot of flack at the minute for his lack of goals, but his movement as a facilitator, um, we talked about that on the fallout this week, is a big factor in allowing others to score goals and perform within the system. So there's still an important place for Richarlison within this team. This also serves us as an insight as to what type of strikers we need to put forward for Tottenham. Because even when Kane was there, That was a sort of a topic for debate, was the fact that obviously Kane's better, but Richarlison's a sort of a profile that really suits Ange. How are you you feeling about Richarlison?
0: Personally, I wasn't the biggest fan when we signed him. I kind of thought we overpaid for a player who I think had just about kept um, Everton up that season. So it was goals value if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But I was That's like... That's interesting, yeah. He, for me, he didn't have the... Points per goal. Yeah. Yeah, good, per goal, good. So, but he, for me, he didn't <laughs> have... Joke that down that as well, <laughs> <guy>. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't have that kind of... He didn't have a standout position. I didn't know whether he was a left winger or a striker. I didn't, I didn't think he had a standout trait aside from his work rate and his kind of, as you said, movement. I said, does he have great finishing? No. Does he have great dribbling? No. The final third pass? No. So I said, what are we paying 50 million for, essentially? And you look at his age not really much room for development or growth. If you look at it, he's kind of capped out. So I, I personally wasn't too keen on it. I, mm. I thought we could, there were definitely better alternatives. Um, and since then, kind of been proven right, to be fair. I think last year he really struggled. I think in moments he was saying he weren't getting opportunities, but this season, first three games, he's really been given the opportunities. I think Madison has put on a plate for him at times, you feel like, but the confidence just isn't there. And I think you saw glimpses of what he can play like with confidence at the World Cup, but there's a very different situation there. That is a Brazil team with Paquetá, Vinicius, yeah, yeah, yeah. Neymar. Like all he has to do is sit in the box yeah, and wait. score. Yeah, yeah. It was not the situation like that at Spurs. I'm afraid so.
1: It is. This sounds like a really stupid question, but with the way that Ange wants to play, how important is it that your central striker is scoring loads of goals? Or are those goals going to come elsewhere? I think
0: I think more than scoring goals, I think just contributing to the play. I think sometimes just linking up, holding play up because Kulisevsky's son, they're movers. They'll get in and around you. They'll be busy. Now you've got Madison there as well. I feel like you'll get goal contribution around you, but you must contribute. That's the key thing. You I want think, both, don't you? Yeah. I mean, that's
1: the obvious thing here. The the, the confidence element is interesting because like, I think, especially with a striker, like you're, when your confidence is at a baseline yeah. and you would imagine that that, That is where he's at right now. Like, it will only get... You would hope... Well, you would hope it would only get better. Obviously, there's players like Timo Werner popped into my head there Mm -hmm. where he just kind of... Tunnels out. out Yeah, yeah, just never got any better. Um, I don't think Richarlison's that. uh, Because I think he's got that arrogance and nastiness that you kind of want. And I think it's okay that he's not overly likable. Yeah. like Sometimes that's okay as a striker. And I think there's something... There's something slightly this sounds harsh, but like there's kind of like got that Australian like hardness, doggedness, yeah. great word, yeah. That I, I wouldn't I think give up on him just yet. You know? I, I think he's got a character. And
0: the thing is he, he for me as a squad player he'd be useful. But he sees himself as a marquee starter. The money we paid for him requires him to be almost like a starter. And I don't think he will be that at Spurs, if you like. Now, if he was at Everton, at a West Ham, somewhere where there isn't that pressure to kick on Big I think fish. he would do well yeah he's the big fish in a small pond prime example and I think now you've kind of had to step up it's just not there it's similar to like I think Joel Linton when he came from Hoffenheim and it was kind of you've got to now contribute score goals in the Premier League and it was like uh, uh-uh, this ain't what I do yeah Moved in position and now all of a sudden is useful. I've
1: said... Ripple effects. Are you saying
0: Richarlison's... Listen. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, well, we thing <laughs> All
1: right, I'm but I've said
0: even one solution this season for where Richarlison, as you said, that doggedness, that work rate, that can be better used out wide. Son, who has lost the kind of ability to beat the man 1v1, still a great goal scorer. Move him into the middle. Swap those two round. You can maybe have something where you're getting better out of both of them, if you like. Mm.
1: I, I did ask... Kai to put together a bit of a list of of sort of sacrificial strikers just to chuck some other names out there. Because I think sometimes the big name, the obvious name, which we, we are going to talk about those, sometimes that's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. So uh, these are interesting names as well. So Ollie Watkins, who I think we're going to talk about in more detail. Gerard Moreno is interesting. But again, so this is where, like I'll come back to what we were talking about at the start. Be careful about turning your nose up. At a str- I mean, this is not directed at the yeah, specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. But Like I think if you are going to totally trust Ange, it might be a player who's not there yet or doesn't look as sexy as you would like him to look like. Yeah. So this is why I wanted this list. Gerard Moreno, Inaki Williams, Taremi, <laughs> who we've put forward for so many clubs over the last two years. And everyone turns their nose. You know, and I thought this is the name I was thinking about uh, and you would never buy him. And it, But would it work? Antonio, the finishing's probably not there. No, that's
0: Richardson 2.0. <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, and, and 10 years old or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they're not mates, so they get them. Oh! <laughs> <That would've> been... <laughs> now be... you got a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Wow, I would love to see oh, that, that dressing cool. room. Who comes out of that? Antonio wins that, doesn't he? Favela, Favela <laughs> boy. Yeah, I maybe, don't know, maybe. you know. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, cause Antonio, actually, that's right. The one weakness with Antonio, obviously, like. He is a, a bull on the pitch. Yeah. But when you hear him laugh, It's a nice guy. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's got this like, laughter. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you know, maybe. I've seen Richardson smile yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. You're right. Uh, so, oh, that would be fascinating. Uh, Sekumara from Southampton, if we're pillaging. I like this shout. Great movement. Uh, and, and, so you know when you watch players you go oh okay that's that's my because we especially us we watch a lot of players yeah and you kind of have to find your thing on them and this sounds terrible but like you once you've got your thing you can move on to yes. the next <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> i'll fully get you that's the thing i not i like that's him your for. thing and, I, and if
1: i get asked a question about him if i get asked a question <laughs> about dripper. johan Bakayoko, as i had to talk about this morning <laughs> i've watched enough of him and i know that's your thing yeah um Jonathan David, I, I, was at, uh, I was fortunate enough to be at the World Cup and saw Canada v Belgium. Yeah. His movement was really, really good. Jonathan David is a great, great shout. Veghorst, uh, is kind of in that theme. Yeah. yeah, maybe not. Tammy Abraham, massive shame, and I think he, I think he was linked with someone before he would actually hurt his knee. He was on his way somewhere. I don't think Interesting. It was us. Aston Villa, mm. thank you very much. Yes, and that God, that would have been a game changer for them. And Danny Welbeck. Man like Welbs. Fancy nah. it. Arsenal, innit? No chance. Can't be happening. No chance. So I just wanted to check those out there. Uh, so let's go big. Let's go dream signing. And let's give you a ripple, shall we? So Victor Ossaman, age 24. So here's your ripple. The, the Saudi league may have lowered Ossaman's price this window. So Napoli's top target was Gabri Vega. Mm-hmm. I can't believe this when I saw this. Yeah, crazy. It was very close to joining him in this window until Al Ali gazumped the Serie A champions. Uh, this has raised questions over how much money Napoli have to spend this window and it looks ambiguous to say the least with Napoli having a new manager in Rudy Garcia he will want to bring in his own players. Of course, one asset Napoli have of course is Osimhen. And there's a lot of talk again at the start of the window when no one's really got to make a final decision. You're, you know, you're going to chuck these guys about yeah. and they were, you know, it was Chelsea it was a lot of it, Man United of course as well. And they initially stated that he'd cost £120 million, but may revise that last minute as we head into the final days. It's unlikely that they do this with so little left of the window, but it's not impossible. And finally, do Tottenham have the cojones to do it? That's going to be all of Kane's money. How do you feel about someone like Victor Osserman? Would he? What's that phrase where they say, where like, it's hard to get up for a run at five in the morning when you're sleeping in silk? Pajamas. I've butchered one. it. I've absolutely <laughs> butchered it. But basically, people talk, throw this at Conor McGregor, where they go, you know, he had that hunger on the way up, and uh, then he got yeah, too much okay. money, and, okay, and when you wake yeah, up, yeah, it's, yeah. Still, it's hard Losing to, it's hard the to appetite. lose the hunger. Yeah. Do you think Osserman would be in, in a system where that, that striker has to really work hard? Do you think he he would be a good fit? I, I personally
0: don't think it's even a realistic fit. Yeah. I think right now, you look at Napoli... He's king over there. Essentially, he's delivered their first title in yeah. however many decades. I don't think he leaves that for a. have been bigger... grumblings with him though. Hasn't there have been time. grumblings, but I don't think the grumbling will come from us. I don't even think we would be willing to meet De Laurentiis. His asking prices, Lord have mercy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This he, actually, this he is, would, is he would a, he would no require us to remortgage the stadium.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and Daniel Levy not going to no. not going to get that, involved. They, in they are
0: like the two polar opposite ends of the. One is very tight and the other one
1: just... Which it'll... one's that? The, with, uh, just quickly on, on Daniel Levy, how, how do you feel about him because we're about to talk about spending money? Yeah. Honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of it,
0: as I think most Tottenham fans are, but I think it's purely because of how the kind of club has been run over the past 20 years. It's As we said right at the start of the show, nearly men in almost every situation and every three or four years, it almost feels like you've sold a new project, you've sold a new thing and right when we were at the almost tipping point of success, you felt like rather than spending money on the squad, we moved into a shiny new stadium. And it's since then, it's like the stadium rather than building the success into that new stadium. No, let's build an F1 facility. Let's build the NFL. Let's have Lady Gaga here. Let's have Beyonce. Let's have WizKids. So sometimes you do... <laughs> Didn't it of... sell out, did it? <laughs> <laughs> So oh, sometimes
1: like... you do kind of think, are we Tottenham Football Club or are we Tottenham Entertainment Facility? Would that not all... And I'm playing devil's advocate here mm-hmm. and I'm not as close to it. But two things. One, do you need an owner that has an element of a handbrake? Just because to... everyone's saying the opposite about Chelsea where they've kind of thrown a lot of money. I know it's com- complex. And then the second one, in terms of the, the ground and, and bringing... That's bringing in a lot of revenue for the long term of the club. Do you just need a bit more transparency from him in terms of I think when that's, we're yeah. going to go for
0: it? A bit? I think that's the thing as well. And on top of that, the ticket... Cause it kind
1: of contradicts what we've been chatting about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: But but it's also the ticket pricing as well. Like, we are yeah. one of the most expensive season tickets in the in Europe for based on what? Just because we've got the shiny new stadium, we didn't... Spurs fans didn't ask for that. We would have happily stayed at White Hart Lane. But it's a case of, OK, we've got to get with the times. And I understand the concept of, oh, it's supposed to bring financial. We haven't seen that yet so far. I haven't seen any kind of groundbreaking signings since maybe, what, an end on Bele four years yeah, ago? Yeah. So really, But also, how
1: did that work? It didn't.
0: And, and, and I think that sometimes with Daniel Levy, that's what's happened. He spent big, got his fingers burnt, and he's just like, no... Chelsea have had back-to-back situations where guys will just burn through money. And I feel like as a top club, essentially that's what you need to do. Sometimes you're going to get your fingers burnt. It's a case of, are you willing to do it again?
1: Yeah, but I think you've got to bring in enough money. And I think, Queque said something brilliant to me and it was like, oh, the thing that Chelsea spend all this money, Chelsea spend, so Chelsea sell s- numerous...
0: Fantastic point, I was going to say. Numerous
1: academy players every so year.
0: And, and I think we have been awful in recouping anything for our academy. Noni Maduweke lost on a free. Marcus Edwards lost on a free. Dylan Markande lost for one million to Blackburn. Like, these are some academy talents that were supposedly going to break through in the first team, lost them for absolutely nothing. Then on top of that, Chelsea generally sell well as well. Mm, I think the one thing every Spurs fan can agree, we don't sell at all. We, In fact, we hold on to players long before... Their their sell by date has come and gone. Well, I we're mean, struggling to. Do you know that even here. Sanchez?
1: We've signed after they've been released. Grant Hall's a long time ago. Ilias Chair was released yeah. by by Tottenham as well. And you know we might still sell him between now and deadline day for for solid Tom money. Tom Carroll, yeah, we're yeah. taking a load over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that might have been. I can't remember. Did that come straight from you? Might have. Yeah, because I think we always had those links with Les didn't we? But yeah, I think that's the selling world's interesting. People say. They say that statement of they sell well. I think the reason they sell well is because they've got like twenty twenty years of stockpiling, and so that kind of brings its money in time. You know, same as Brighton and Brentford, like they can sell their, especially Brighton now, they can sell their assets for a lot because yeah. they go, well, look, we've we've proved it time and again. Yeah. So it does kind of take time to get those things sorted out, but that is something that does need to that allows a bit more risk-free spending because you've got some, some, you've got some stuff against sell, right? So Osman's I, a no. I think, yeah.
0: I think I just look at an example, Dele Alli, for example. We let, we held on to him to the point where he, we gave Everton away for zero and said, you can pay us on the back end. Yeah. Like Dele Alli at one point had value. We could have maybe made 40, 50 million out of him, but we chose not to. And I think it's un- realising that key moment when to sell a player so many times we've wanted to either recoup what we paid or whatever it is sometimes take a loss but get some money back
1: that's really interesting so i mean there's a ripple effect there where it's like actually it's the not spending is just a it's a ripple effect of getting your fingers burnt once or twice but ju- but not selling being yeah. bad sellers yeah. being bad sellers uh, angel correa hmm. he's got that nasty face that's what I like about him. And I, so I like this as a shout. So much more sensible from here on out, I promise. Yeah. Uh, Correa currently plays for Atletico Madrid, but is second choice behind Memphis Depay for the role of striker. He's only five foot seven, mm. which I think, which, yeah, <laughs> sorry, Kai's fit in brackets. There's nothing wrong with that. And there is absolutely <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> nothing. It's just hilarious. Uh, but he has a high level of work rate and also uh, is an XG monster. And that's the thing with. Him. I really like this as a shout. If you're w- willing to spend that money, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 size of him weirdly is a problem to me. But his uh, understanding of getting into the right areas, sort of sacrificial areas, if yeah. that makes a sense, I think he's really, really great. at I that. actually think
0: that's a very underrated shout. I mm-hmm. think he's someone who, as you said, because he's maybe not the starter week in week out, doesn't get that shine or love, but. Always in and around the Argentina squad. Anytime I watch Atletico Madrid and he's playing, he's one of those players, always busy, always a handful. And I think if you're gonna be one of Diego Simeone's trusted soldiers, if you like, yeah, you have to have that doggedness about you. And I think if he can bring his that same attitude, I think, to us. Question I ask is: does he have the goals in him? Does he yeah. become a similar situation where I look at Mateus Cunha, who former Atletico Madrid player as well has all the qualities that but that finishing you just feel like is missing and I think that's maybe where he would be lacking.
1: Yeah, I mean last season so from only thirteen starts he got nine goals, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And yeah. the goals are actually generally quite important. But there is a reason why he's not starting. I get what you're saying. How do you feel about um the difference between a out and out striker, he's only gonna play through the middle and wanting those hybrid players that you see, obviously everywhere else right now, how important is is it is it for? I think to have a proper proper striker. An out and bothered? out
0: forward is, is hard to come by these days. I think they're few and far, and especially if you in terms of the talent pool in out and out forwards, it's like Haaland, Kane. Benzema, Lewandowski, and then there's like a massive gap. If you like, Yeah. Hoylent next, Yeah. <laughs> and I think it, those kind of hybrid forwards—they're kind of more what you see of nowadays. And I think looking at Sun as well, looking at Kulusevski they're kind of interchangeable players as well. So I'd like someone who's fluid, someone who could do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It does not doesn't, it doesn't f- have to be an out-and-out out nine. Yeah,
1: for but the future for you Sun through the middle, right?
0: It, for is the it? short term, I yeah. would say. For the short term, definitely it could be a fix.
1: Because there was that time, wasn't it? It was like, oh, we, uh, you know, Spurs better without Kane because he was injured and Son played yeah. the middle. And was, Se- was really second good half of both the
0: last two games, he's mm-hmm. gone down the middle and actually linked that play really well. I think the second goal with Destiny and Kulusevski's goal, he he was the one that was involved in the link. And I said, that's exactly the positions he needs to pick up. So,
1: And I think the thing to remember with him as well is if you're thinking him as like, oh, maybe he's not got the physicality to be that target. You, you have the ball. You you want the ball, yeah. right? So you're going to have possession and work up through the phases of the pitch. Yeah, it's not going to so be long, long ball. The pitch. Exactly, yeah. So it would allow him to just have those little yards. Yeah. And you're right, he's technically very, very strong there. Uh, so... Yeah, he's underrated in terms of those goals, which we both kind of thought that. Um, yeah. Scored the winner against Betis, important assist against Almeida in a 2-1 win. Equaliser against Getafe, equaliser against Al- Almeria earlier on in the season. Uh, scored the winner against Girona. All in all, his contribution won Atletico a total of 11 points last season. And with those, without those 11 points, they would have finished outside the top four and would have finished seventh in the dreaded Europa Conference League. I like that. Let's, uh, let's go Premier League. This is one you've been linked with a, a bit. I think there's an, there's an interesting ripple effect here in terms of uh clubs coping with their sort of r- the rise of their sort of squad value Ollie Watkins first of all like how much and Kai, could you just tell me how long his contract is how much he's got left on his contract because I think that'll lead to an interesting question on how much he would cost twenty seven does feel perfect for spurs mm-hmm can drift over to that left hand side as well. Has proven he can be that central striker yeah. for Aston Villa, who you're kind of up against this year. In my predictions, I was sort of, you were grouped with Villa and Newcastle in terms of the squad this year. Um, how do you feel about Ollie Watkins? Because he would be pricey, surely. He would. And I think, especially
0: after the season he had last year, he's going to cost a minimum of $50 million. So I would
1: 2025. Say. The contracts
0: so you're looking at another two years okay yeah I, I so mean, for villa it's kind even, of it's
1: now but you like you just said there's not many strikers strikers out
0: there, out there. and i think you look at villa who are they going to go and sign to replace that
1: yeah because
0: that's it's always the the knock-on effect and you see it when clubs now know you have money all of a sudden the price yeah, yeah, goes yeah, up yeah. for players so
1: and who are villa right and I I that sounds weird they're trying to find themselves but who out. are they like are they, they're they trying to be Spurs go past Spurs absolutely so you kind of do you want to sell to direct rivals yeah yeah because what's the truth about that I'll Villa? be
0: honest with you after the Aston Villa summer this year sounds like us last year where everybody ended as a window says oh they're the winners of the window and personally I think they will do what they're supposed to do finish 7th 8th in and around there but people have them tipped at the start of this season to finish over Spurs and that's I have, with yeah. Ollie Watkins so for me I don't see them selling Ollie Watkins to Spurs all of a sudden yeah. I've said maybe what we would be better off doing is taking advantage of the Tony suspension situation and thinking Brentford you're not going to have him for six months and he could potentially leave in January can we do a cut price deal now does he or? fit Spurs if you're talking out and out forwards he is someone perfect. I think he's got the link up. He's, he's got great hold up play. I think he's got the goals. Replaces the penalty ability of Kane as well. Yeah. I think all the facets that you need of a yeah. modern number nine. I
1: think he's quick as well. He's very underrated his speed as well. But do you know what's ringing in my ears? I watched a little bit of uh, his podcast recently. He said how he doesn't like to run. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, why say that. I don't uh, say that. I, I There's I a don't... few things he shouldn't have said. Yeah,
0: th- uh, that's what I was going to say. There's a couple of things I think in that podcast he probably shouldn't have said. But I think. Once you kind of meet Ange and you hear that gruff in his voice, yeah. you're gonna run for a brick wall for that. Uh, man.
1: Do you want, in terms of mindset, Tony's a great shout as well because he's someone who I think you know people have said you're you know you're not up to it, you're not elite, mm-hmm. and I think you could, I could imagine a conversation with Postacomb yeah. and him and him like them really enjoying each other's company. Yeah. That's a good shout. How much? How much is he gonna be? So now, you're, not, you're not getting anyone for less than sixty, are you? <sighs> Watkins are Wat, not there, gonna get Watkins for less than No. I, I think
0: Tony you're looking at maybe fifty, sixty as well minimum and that's with the band included. After the band you're looking at seventy eight yeah. again. Um I think for me I did look at one player who French striker and left winger Aminguiri. Yes. Plays for Rennes twenty three years old, uh coming out of the Leon Academy, of course, went to Nice, I think in the I've got his numbers here actually. Uh, So in 2021, it was 12 goals, 7 assists, 21, 22, 10 goals, 8 assists. And then last season, it was 15 goals and five assists. And that just shows to me every year there's been kind of progression in his game. Someone who I think technically, when you talk about link up, dribbling. Dribbly. dribbly. The, yeah, the, oh, <laughs> yeah I was say. Like, I love that. And the fact that if I want to move Son into the number nine position, he can go on the left. If I want to move him through the middle, Son can stay on the left. So if, if you're talking interchangeability, he is someone I think is primed it. And he doesn't have that stock or hype around him at the moment no, where true. I think you can possibly get him for a 30-40 million around there but give it a, another year of performances like that and the trajectory yeah, keeps yeah, going yeah. up. Timing's huge absolutely. isn't
1: it? It's so huge with all of it like the selling and, and the buying obviously a couple of options for Villa but I guess you know you could put Tottenham in this bracket as well if Watkins was to go Ferran Torres, Anthony Martial which again feels like that feels like the Villa you'd you're not wanting to be anymore and and Guiri as well all these would be great for Villa and Spurs as well and should Spurs skip the middlemen and go for one of those instead or you've just put one forward yeah Ferran Torres is interesting I'm intrigued to see what becomes of his career because there's obviously player there, but then I'm starting to get wary of saying that sentence because I think we've said that about Havertz, yeah. we've said that about a few players, and I think Havertz there is still a player there, but like, it just it needs time to sort of embed. Yeah. Let's talk about versatile forwards, which is the second option, and actually, so if if you're Daniel Levy, <laughs> what um, who are you spending your money on? out of those guys up top? Or do, is it Gwiri that you want?
0: Gwiri, I think I would go for at this point. He is the one I think could come in. It's Antonio in. for me. But th- I, go um, get...
1: Please. You, want, do you, do you, just want, you just want the podcast, Alan. Yeah, yeah. That's just <laughs> that in the teaser, to be honest. I do think... It's a shame about Tammy Abraham. Jonathan David, I think, is my shout. I think he'd be really, really good. But it's interesting that people haven't like gone and one. got it done with him. Like I'm surprised he hasn't been bought yet. Yeah, but it would be Jonathan. Because Davis,
0: it's, it's right. been like two or three years now where he's consistently been, been kind been of putting up steady him. numbers yeah. and yeah. he's been linked to the clubs, but it's not really happened.
1: First half forward, And has shown that he likes a wide player who can operate as an inside forward, and they are amongst the most important players in the team for him uh, through what they offer in the setup. But there is space for another forward. Perisic is a backup left winger at the club. Currently, which is fine, but they need to be thinking about the future of this position and need to sign a young star to bring through some interest. This is really interesting, these shouts. Ansu Fati, <clears throat> you generally, when, when you think of that name initially, you're like, mm. but he's a you know, he's the Barcelona superstar. Mm-hmm. Stock has fallen a bit yeah. from the injuries, yeah, and apparently he's not happy. So there's a ripple here, Cancelo to Barcelona which might have even happened by the time you're listening to this, looks like it is, could mean that Fatih goes to Tottenham. Fatih's rumoured to be wanting to leave Barcelona this summer amid worries over game time. So maybe a loan move could be something that could happen here. Barcelona have also not really been playing with wingers so far this season. Gundogan actually playing as a left attacking midfielder at times this season. Got Gavi Pedri as the star boys at Barcelona now. It looks like Fatih's stature at the club has taken a knock. There have been rumours that he wants to leave Barcelona, uh, but Barcelona are reluctant Because they only buy players. They don't like to (laughs) sell. Anyway, I mean, it could be an option as a loan, which would be interesting and probably ideal for Spurs if they wanted to sign him permanently. But are you just wasting money with a loan? How do you feel about no, the Spurs and th- the loan market? I think a loan is, is okay good for
0: both, to be fair. I think it's low risk on our end to kind of see how... Because you'd be concerned about his injury record, yeah, right? I'd be concerned about his fitness, his availability. See if you can kind of... And as we said earlier, the, fi- the Premier League is a physical league. Can you handle it? People are going to come and test your knees, trust yeah. me. So <laughs> I think yeah. to protect ourselves, a loan is good. And then for him, it's a perfect way to kind of just get out of there and get some first-team football ahead of the Euros next summer.
1: Yeah. Brennan Johnson... Is the main one that they're talking about at the moment, and you know that the amount of times Brentford could have bought him, I can hear my best mate screaming now. <laughs> like the amount of times they could, have, they wanted him for they wanted him for fifteen, and they were going twenty, and they wanted him for twenty five, and they were going thirty five, and now I think they've just had a bid rejected for forty three or something. Yeah, twenty two. Selling Brendan Johnson will keep Forrest in the Premier League for years. I actually spoke to a journalist a couple of weeks ago. And I said, oh, I, I think I've heard that Brendan Johnson will go because Alanga has arrived. And she was like, absolutely not. But it does look like it's it's going. he's going yeah. somewhere. It he's, feels he's like. He's been heavily linked with us. Yeah. And so he's, he's been subject to interest in Tottenham, Chelsea, as I said, Brentford previously as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Uh, May not actually be that much of a bad thing for Forrest for three reasons firstly, he 's under contract until twenty twenty six meaning the fee would have to be hefty. Apparently, they want sixty million. secondly, he's homegrown, which adds to his price tag significantly yeah and you know it's something that Forrest need to sort out with they 've spent a lot of money uh, you know lot of money over the last twenty four months, but at some point you need to start generating revenue the other yeah. way to, to secure the future windows and selling Johnson Wood a massive FFP win because he's an academy a graduate and would go down as pure profit and they have a replacement in Langer there already. How do you feel about Brendan Johnson?
0: I said on a stream yesterday kind of eerily reminds me of the Richardson situation where if we're talking his goals last season and performances last year he played a massive part him and Gibbs White in keeping Forrest up and yeah. I think that gave him a massive stock boost but I think for his development, staying at either Nottingham Forest or a move like Brentford makes a lot more sense. I think he comes to Spurs, the expectations all of a sudden increases massively. And then you're asking a lot of a player who is not maybe used to playing at this level, similar like Richarlison. A year later, we're looking at it frustrated, thinking 40, 50 million spent. Now we've got Brennan Johnson and Richarlison. It's like we've learned nothing from that situation, in my opinion.
1: But haven't you got, and again, there's always going to be contradictions here, but haven't you got to believe in the guy and get and that's how you get them. I mean, Brent, and that's the one thing you, I guess you can't say against Brendan Johnson is that they want solid money for him. Yeah, I've always loved him. I th- I really, really rate him. And, and if you go on FB Ref, it doesn't look good. But his I composure, don't... is it's there. I, I think it's it. there. And the pace is there. If I ask you what's his best position, though. I think his best position is on the right. It's I mean, not through the middle. I thought
0: it was potentially through the middle, in my opinion. Just playing off me. a big nine, if you like.
1: I think, I, yeah, and I get why I get why you think that. I just think I just think he has the composure. I think he's got the burst of pace. I think if you saw him in uh, in the championship, and I, I get the championship's not the Premier League, but mm-hmm. they were a, a much more uh, sort of transitional side. They played with a lot more sort of gusto. And his legs,
0: came yeah, and he's got those
1: legs. But they were sort of dominant at times as well. James Garner was in the team. They were a much better side. You know, more dominant team in, in the games that they were playing. Yeah, I just think he's. With like that composure, I don't think you can teach that. I really believe that in time. Look, sixty million. Would you have, again? This is what I mean, Brentford. Should, there's a reason Brentford keep going back. There's a reason Brentford keep going back. Brentford are good scouts. Brentford are good scouts, right? They get it right, yeah. especially with attacking players. And I just think 60 million's a lot, but I I think he will be absolutely fine. I don't know if you agree. Okay. I- uh,
0: for me, it's just the price that's a little yeah, bit. Now, if up. he was 30 million, 35 million, snap your hand off. But once it gets north of 40, I'm like, uh, I'm sure yeah. there's other
1: alternatives. We 22. Can go for. 22. It's uh, 22. Believe. It's a good age. Good age. I think <laughs> he said, I like BJ. But I like <laughs> Brendan Johnson. I think he'll do well. Okay. <laughs> Next name. Do you like those. Pedro. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Pedro Goncalves. 25. Oh. Could. Pedro Goncalves and I, I don't know if I'm saying it right and forgive me if Pedro I'm not. Goncalves. is it what is it Goncalves. Are you go with that okay <laughs> let's call him Pedro Pedro uh, his goal from the halfway line against Arsenal could see him get a Spurs move this window we actually said this about De Zerbe, De Zerbe kicking off with Antonio Conte last year if that hadn't happened, I wonder if they would have gone for De a little bit more. Yeah. So Pedro has been uh, held in high regard for a few seasons at Sporting after a rocky start. Actually, kind of still surprised he's still there. Same. Um, with, but what really thrusted him into the limelight was his performance against Arsenal in the Europa League, his goal from pretty much the halfway line just inside. Feels like he should have been snapped up by someone by now. Uh, but he'd be a perfect fit for Spurs, whilst also having that goal against Arsenal under his belt as an added bonus, which you could probably form into some kind of a chant. Yeah, he is different to, very different to Brennan Johnson.
0: This is more my competition.
1: This is more. He's the word I think of when I think of him is vision. He's a bit more Madison-y for me,
0: but on the left wing. Yeah. And and I think the way he plays, as you said, he almost floats he can play, I mean,
1: a lot of the stuff I think he plays on the right as well. Uh, yeah. So again, he can a bit play anywhere versatility across the kind there, of yeah, yeah, the
0: versatility yeah. there. But I think his qualities, technically, and the amount he contributes going forward, you can't not have that. The question is, is does it translate from the Portuguese league into the Premier League? And I think that's where you kind of look at the numbers a little bit sideways. But I think yeah. when you watch him, and I've seen, as I said, when I was trying to watch Porro Diamande. Other players, you kind of pick up on it. He was one of those. I think you've always heard about scoring screamers, left, yeah. right, and centre. And I'm like, why has nobody signed this guy? So he is someone. If you're talking that 40, 50 million mark, I can understand that. Being I across. like
1: he makes um, ooh passes. I call them. <laughs> Just decided to call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because he cut. He play a pass. You go. Hmm? Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> and I do like players like that. Do they need another? do they need that guy or do they need the guy who's on the other end of it? That would be my question now, with him. I think it'd be great for in. the squad.
0: You move son, permanently into the nine. That's, what, that's where it becomes. If you have him and Madison, that's a creation machine yeah, right there. It is. Kulusevsky and...
1: Uh, Porro, off you go. Oh, on Come your on. bikes. You dogey as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do like it. I do really, really yeah. like it. Did you have another option for that one?
0: Yeah. I, uh, his, his actually running buddy. Marcus Edwards. Yes. I think one of our own, when you talk about meets the homegrown cap, I think comes out of the academy. You look at his numbers last year, I think seven goals, nine assists. A uh, year before that, ten goals, six assists. Can play through the middle, can play on the right as well. I think if you're talking uh, providing depth for Kulusevski, because if Kulusevski goes down, I don't think we have much options outside of Brian Hill. Potentially. And you always know deadline day, he gets his loan moved back to Spain annually.
1: <laughs> Can I talk about really quickly two players that I was thinking, oh, if they were still here, they could be really useful. Mm-hmm. Lamella and Bergwijn. No. Not, having not it?
0: No. And no. No. Lamella is def- the definition of one of those players we were talking about earlier that we held on for too long. Right. To the point where his stocks meant nothing. Like we chucked him in as a freebie to buy guilt. <laughs> that's and 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 he <laughs> is funny him European track, him, him and lucas mora are almost treacherous twins if you like and richarlison's in a dangerous path of going along their format of not giving much goal contribution but because they work so hard and the fans in the stadium love that that they're almost going to become cult hero status off the back of just what hard about work. Bergwijn then Bergwijn, do you know what it is i'm
1: I really, really happy like... for
0: Bergwine that he's back in amsterdam Hometown club, he's now the captain, he's playing up front scoring goals, he's back in the Holland team, he's thriving. I don't I don't think you need to be coming back doing graveyard shifts at right wing back right. <laughs> at Tottenham. So if anything, I, I think it's best for him okay. to kind of have moved on.
1: Another player that looks like he's going to go is actually just whilst we're kind of on that side. Yeah. Jed Spence, is there like, there's just no, should he be staying?
0: Jed Spence last summer when he came in was designing, I think I almost jumped off the... This is a good window because I looked at Perisic on the left-hand side and I thought we were going to sign someone of a starting quality on that side. I said, signing a championship right back who needs to adapt to Conte's system, the Premier League, I think it's too much. Mm. And over the past 12 months, we've kind of seen that. And just come in and I thought he would have actually given him a fresh start, if you like, but he's actually put him on the chopping block, so... Linked of leads at the moment, so we'll
1: see. That's a really interesting point because, yeah, so because you would have thought, and he, he was quite prickly about that, post-cogly, where he was like, I think Dave Jones said to him, Do you decide on everyone if they stay on it? And he's like, Yeah, of course no. I do. So the fact that he's al- allowing him to go, maybe, maybe you know, the bridges are just overly burnt. Was Neil Warnock right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Was Um, Neil Warnock right? Was he? Uh, Remember the cigar photo? I know. Mm, Yeah, it's not looking good. I did think that. (laughs) It's not looking good. You're so good at that. Um, You do do the shaky one well as well. Uh, Right, uh, there's a possibility of that coming out again after this. You are listening to the Ripple Effect. Jesse Lingo, not a great shout
0: here. Madison is a changed man. He's a leader now, yeah? <laughs> yeah got a, we don't need no chow. distractions in and around him, yeah?
1: yeah? So go on, you be sensible then. he's a uh, backup that you think? Because
0: you about? know there's, there's, there's one I would like to follow.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... Either. Do you want to do it just, just to what? make it work? Looking good, <laughs> it's not looking good, bruv. It? Yeah, it's not looking I'm good, It's not looking good, my brum. two bits mixed yeah. up. It's not looking good, brim. Uh It's looking a bit shaky as well. Uh, that's, it. that's two different memes I'm getting mixed yeah, up. Yeah, that's the... That's I don't, the get don't get nervous. It's starting get a bit shaky. shaky. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, you good. At? I knew you were natural. Uh, Backup 10s. Madison's placing the team's nailed on, and so it should be. I'd heard last week that he might have been out for some time, but... Uh, there he is, playing great wind-up on the Bournemouth fans as well. Oh. I'm sure everyone's seen that. It's so good. He's got a great personality, is not he? got to love that, honestly. Totally. And look, he's going to be important in terms of output this year. I think there's going to be his numbers are going to go up massively. Yeah. But what if he gets injured? He has done in the past. Mm-hmm. Has had problems with his ankles, I think, in the past. They've got Lo He's never really proven himself. I think profile-wise, he kind of fits. Maybe doesn't have the pizzazz of... Madison yeah. but it would be a bit of a gamble and it'd be good to get someone in as a backup. Mm-hmm. So thing to keep in mind here when we're going through some of these names is that they would be sort of options as rotation more than anything else. And actually probably with a view to getting back into Europe and you know might need them down down yeah. the road but Madison obviously is the main man this year. First name Tiago Almada He's 22, Ooh. Atlanta. I sort of looked into him a bit last night. But this is one of Kai's. This is definitely one of Kai's. He's a, a football manager, um, wonder kid from I was going to
0: say, if anybody's played football manager, alarm bells have just gone ringing. Because yeah, there's a gamble,
1: <laughs> you, you know, there is the gamble of MLS over to, you know... Tottenham yeah. that's a jump that's yeah. a massive jump one thing I definitely noticed from him, if just in case he does sign keep an eye out for the fact that he loves that top right hand corner from everything I've watched he wow. loves that top right hand corner to a point where I was like surely the goalkeepers are aware of this <laughs> uh so here's a ripple effect with Almada. Will Spurs signing Almada mean that clubs start to use Football Manager for their scouting? Tiago Almada is currently at Atlanta. Before he moved to MLS, he was at Villa Sarsfield, as we said. If Spurs sign him, it means that Football Manager were correct all along about him, meaning that they could also be correct about other players, ultimately raising their credibility even more. I think they're credible enough. Kai, I'm not having this one. <laughs> Not having it and making it look, making it a genuine tool to be used for scouting. The Too late.
0: Is, I think, I think clubs already do use it. Oh, they? definitely, yeah, definitely, I think definitely. David Moy's, Wayne Rooney was going on about yeah. it as well. Yeah. So. I think, I remember even like a decade ago, Sky Sports were using it in their kind of presentation of players like, oh, he's got 14 for crossing and 15 yeah. for passing. Yeah. Do and you I'm think
1: like... there's a, so he's, uh, you know, another bit like Correa, I guess, in terms of sort of that um, diminutive stature, but mm-hmm. sort of. Got a thick enough neck <laughs> if that makes sense to kind of like be able to run through. Is you know is techie likes to dribble, loves a free kick. How do you feel about Postacoglu? The ripple effect of Postacoglu bringing in players that aren't from those big five leagues because that could definitely be something that I think would be welcomed a little bit more so than it would if Bob Bradley was manager of yeah. Tottenham and was bringing in those kind of players.
0: I think. I think. Yeah, because. I almost, well, you guess you have to trust his knowledge from outside of, he's coached everywhere pretty much or in Asia anyway. But I think sometimes we can kind of be so Eurocentric that if a player doesn't come from the top five or top three leagues, but I think talent is everywhere in the world and it's just about sometimes finding it right. Uh, I remember there was a player, uh, Rayo Hatate, who plays for Celtic. He played with him, I think, very early on in his career or coached him sorry right. uh, Ange, but he <laughs> signed him at Celtic <laughs> Castle, say, yeah. but he signed him when he got to Celtic and now he's linked with a raft of clubs and I was one of those I remember earlier in the window when we were linked with him I said who? yeah went and did my research and I said oh my god this is some high level scouting so sometimes I think you have to almost and open e- your eyes Every
1: that's I think that's the thing again if we're thinking about Daniel Livian that sort of uh, being risk averse Sometimes you're going to have to take a gamble to a point on anyone at any stage. There's always going to be a, a question mark there. So, listen, Brian, go, don't go, get it
0: right every time like that. You don't get a Pervin Estabinian, uh uh Sarasmento and Cecil, all these signing, um, Evan Ferguson from the Irish leagues. Like, you
1: have to send these scouts to non big leagues, if you like, to actually pick up on the gems. Totally. So, that's a bit out there, but you heard it here first. And, Kai, that is yours. That's yours, because I'll be honest, I don't watch MLS, I'm afraid. Steven Burgoyce, for from Ajax, kind of leading into your are you, the same concerns, would it be for him? Because I, I, I quite like him as a shout. 45 goal involvements in two seasons at the club. He had a failed stint at Watford. Yeah. Back in 2015.
0: <laughs> wow. That's harsh. Yeah. That's harsh. Technically but, fantastic. Yes.
1: I think good ticks, score playing again is a backup.
0: Yeah, I think ticks a lot of boxes. Um, covers a lot of positions as well. Very versatile. I think set pieces offers that as well. So if you're looking in terms of cover for Madison profile wise, I think you're not too far off. And I, I like the kind of industry and leadership he brings as well to the Ajax side. And I think that's one of the things when he moved from Feyenoord. To Ajax, which is almost like a, a line you never cross. I said, yeah, that that takes some mentality yeah, yeah, yeah. to do that. So credit to him. But
1: and actually, would you? Is there something to be exploited here? Like, obviously, we're always looking for the you know the new young thing. It, would you be better off f- having like if Madison goes? That is a really integral position mm-hmm. that you need to have someone ready to go and who can deal with the pressures of that stadium of the Premier League. Someone who's thirty-one coming in, who has that. You know, be able to play in a lot of different positions, but to fill in there straight away and take up that, that w- that's a good shout. No? I, th-
0: I think it would be, um, especially with the experience as well. But at the same time, he hasn't played at the Premier League level. So if he comes in at 31 almost looking like a fish out of water, then it's a little bit. Oh, why it's didn't just we sure. just go and get
1: a proper signing? It's your uh, Bergwijn <laughs> yeah. uh, PTSD, isn't yeah. it, kicking in there. <laughs> so this is this is the shout that I think would be amazing. The price, I don't know, because I think he's so important, but I, I do love it as a shout. Mm. Andres Pereira, Mitrovic leaving... his the ripple effect. Mitrovic leaving actually makes it easier for Spurs to get Andres Pereira. Pereira is a nice middle ground between uh, sort of the two prior options, but he has one thing that the others don't. He is proven in the Premier League. The reason he's attainable for Spurs is due to Mitrovic. Fulham openly said that Mitrovic will not be allowed to leave in any circumstances. Actually, there's not many takes that work out for me, but I, that seemed... I did... Um, Saturday Social and they were saying do you think Mitrovic will go and they were going well he said he's not they've said he's not going to go and I was like he'll go (laughs) like he wants it will happen eventually he's ready to go and yeah and that, that felt like this look they haven't got the Saudi money obviously it's different from that point of view but in terms of a stepping stone for Pereira who I've just been so impressed with over the last year or so in a team that Okay, lower down the the league, but obviously not by much in terms of where they finished. And also the style of play that Fulham were willing to play last year was yeah. really optimistic and positive. I think he... I, I just don't know how much he would cost. He's 27. There's a bit of a Lingard it's thing kind of, going on here, isn't he? he yeah. Because he's
0: been in the United squad in and around so long, you almost felt like he was younger than what he was. As you said, yeah, the Lingard yeah. situation. But... I think he's almost. It almost makes it harder now Mitrovic left because he's almost like the crown jewel, if you like. He's their creative yeah, yeah. piece, he's their set piece taker. And I think Willian is also on the chopping block. So I'm like, two of their key attackers, they've almost lost from last year. I think Deckold over Reed and um, Pereira, Pereira yeah, are the two that I feel like they're going to build their attack round this season. So as much as I think he's good, I think he's good for Fulham. I think come to Spurs now is. I don't I don't know. I remember at times, maybe for Lazio, where I looked at him and I was like, you don't look as comfortable, maybe. I like him. I like I, him. I, I, him I think this would work. It just a, might cost too much. Sometimes I, I don't want to take players out of almost good situations they're in. Really. Yeah. And I felt like that with Zaha for a long time. I was like, I'm glad he's staying at Palace because he is the king here. Yeah. He will be the man. I said, I don't want him to move to Arsenal. And then all of a sudden, within two years, we're saying, oh, he's not good enough to be on the bench. I'm like, no,
1: sometimes let Andreas Pereira be a Fulham king. I'm going to chuck one more name. Go on. And just because it just came up there, mm-hmm. Jesse Lingard, not a great shout oh. here. No, no, On the bench. No, He's on no. the bench. He's used to that arena. Do you know what I mean? He's got Absolutely something to not. prove to a point. Him and Madison could go shopping together. <laughs> Probably have nights out together <laughs> Listen, as
0: well. Madison is a changed man. He's a leader now, <laughs> yeah? yeah? It's got a, we don't need it's no distractions chance. in and around him. Yeah? yeah. He is a vice captain. But Jesse Lingard, no. I just feel like last year at Nottingham Forest was the biggest almost red flag for me. You had the year before you was at West Ham. You built a good relationship. The fans really wanted you. You could have gone there on a free transfer. Yeah. You turned that move down to go to Nottingham Forest where you were going to be the franchise player, if you like, the number 10. But on a one-year deal. On a one-year deal, which baffled me mm. because essentially what you thought was, oh, they're going to get relegated, but let me collect my one-year paycheck. And instead, Gibbs White took your shirt, took your spot and actually performed how you should have performed. And rightly so, now nobody's really... That interested. It's it amazing, isn't gone, it? So. It's an
1: amazing change for him. Yeah. But again, yeah, like, Ange put his, you know, put his arm around him, bring him in, bring Deli Ali in as oh well. My well. My <laughs> God, I had a feeling Deli Ali was around the corner somewhere. <laughs> so who's uh, like... so? Go on, you be sensible then. Who's a backup that you think? of Do you know there's
0: guy? there's there's one I would like to throw in, Um Desiree Dewey.
1: You're gonna have to tell me about this, dude. Because I listen, don't know
0: anything about I, I can't like even some people might be looking at who, what? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a dessert. <laughs> That's me, 18 <laughs> <No>, year old, <laughs> six foot one, French attacking midfielder, central <laughs> midfielder as well, plays for Rennes, uh, similar to Guiri. So I saw him come on, I think, last week against Lons, immediately first touch, blind pass into the final or third. I was like, this kid is special. Last season at 17, played 26 games in the league, starting 11. So it just goes to show you the potential of what mm. they think this so kid yeah. could be. With him, it's not more of buying the ready-made product, if you like. It's definitely buying potential, almost like a wrap situation, if you like. Kevin Prince-Bolting, I remember, they never turned out well, but that time. <laughs> did a wrap, <laughs> yeah. <But> yeah <laughs> Alley type situation, sure. if you like. I think he's someone who, before his stock goes up, 18 years old at the moment, he's shown really good potential. I can't really find faults in his game very mature, good IQ, good touches, technically very sound. I think comes in, happy to play in the understudy in a young team that's kind of developing. He can eventually easily, in my opinion, take
1: a... I think it's a good little shout as well in terms of the backup there because, again, you you almost need to utilise the fact that you don't have European football this year. Yeah, And so if he's not going to play, but he needs to be up to speed with the style of play to play next year... Then, well, it sounds I'm like he's playing games already. I'm happy or to, re- to even do a, anyway. a,
0: a, a, a Pape saw type situation where we sign him but loan him back to Ren for the season, knowing he's going to play full minutes yeah. over there. Next year, come back when you're all, uh, a bit more ready. If
1: as right. long as it's not a melang where the manager doesn't even know <sighs> what his name wow. is. That was horrible. Ooh, he said, who? <laughs> I said, wow. pots, no. <laughs> That's done. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, we have another podcast to do and I'm excited to talk about it because we're going to talk about dildos. Finally! 47 podcasts in, we finally got there. And it was, I thought, let's wait until Fuad, let's get him on the one with the deadline so we can talk dildos. (laughs) So we're going to be doing that in just a second. Uh, Fuad, where can people find you? Uh, At Fuad Kadani on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, Guys, if you're enjoying yourself, do me a favour, give us a five star rating. It will take you a second and it will mean the world for me. Um, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I absolutely love doing it every single week. We've got pretty much all of our podcasts are incredibly evergreen. So go check out the back catalogue and make sure you're following so that you don't miss out on the next podcast, which we're about to record.